It's very difficult when you come in from being a registered nurse to being a provider to take on all that responsibility that you're going to fix every patient every time in 15 minutes. It's 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 a tall order to handle and it's, honestly, I mean, it's near impossible, but we can take small steps to help patients live healthier lives, which is a lot of reason why, you know, a lot of nurses go into this nurse practitioner role is to help make a difference. But those differences take take time. How can a nurse practitioner have a mindset that lends itself to abundance, thinking, overcoming imposter syndrome, and thriving inside and outside of clinical practice? Let's talk all about it with Josie Tate, family nurse practitioner and NP career mentor, right here on episode 394 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is always about you and your personal professional satisfaction, your career development, and the healthcare system in the bigger picture. And I'm always here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people that I can find in the worlds of nursing, healthcare, medicine, entrepreneurship, and beyond. I love having you along for this ride with me. And I thank you from the bottom of my podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you'd like to help other people find the show, please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Amazon or Spotify or any other podcast app that you use. And please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. I appreciate my patrons and my reviewers and listeners so, so, so much. Please head over to nursekeith.com to find the show notes for this episode in the drop-down podcast menu. And like I said, we're here with Josie Tate, my new friend and friend of the pod. She is a family nurse practitioner in the Philadelphia area and an NP career mentor. And Josie, I'm so, so happy to have you here. And we had a great conversation last month offline just to kind of prep for this. And the first thing I want to ask you is why have you found that awareness and mindset are so central to nurse practitioners really finding their their mojo and being happy in what they do. Yeah, um, for sure. First of all, thank you for, for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast today. But yes, um, awareness and mindset for nurses and nurse practitioners is really important because it really shapes how their career path um, will kind of turn out and it kind of molds you know, they're thinking. So several things that come to mind as far as um, ways that we can shape our awareness and mindset. Um, I can go into those if you're ready or if you have other things that we want to go over first. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. So just some, just, uh, I guess, a definition of what we think about as mindset, you know, for nurses and nurse practitioners, it's, it's the belief, it's the values, um, it's the attitudes that we think about ourselves and then how we also view the world. So if we, you know, think of things happening to us versus for us, that's really going to shape and shift, you know, what we, what we're thinking and the subtle shifts that we take within the, you know, within our um, nurse practitioner or nursing journey um, can really affect our success, I think. So, you know, the 
mantras or mantras and manifestations that we believe about um, ourselves and in practice, you know, if we do just even subtle shifts, like three things, um, you know, just reframe our thinking, um, trade any of those toxic beliefs or even like the fake toxic or the toxic positive um, beliefs for just truly genuine optimism. Um, those are things that'll really help. So, you know, for instance, if you, as a nurse or a nurse practitioner, you, you fail your boards, um, you know, that board exam, you know, you can think and think of it as a, I, I'm done, you know, I, I'm not meant to be a nurse or a nurse practitioner. This isn't for me. Or you can, you know, if you think of it as a toxic positivity, it's like, we'll just get over it, you know, when really you can kind of pause, take some time, come back and kind of review why, why did you fail, you know, and it's not really a failure. It's maybe, you know, you have to reevaluate and take the feedback from that, you know, that test, uh, that testing site um, and reevaluate. Um, you can come back resilient and retake your tests and pass, you know, pass the second time and not just, you know, just, oh, stay positive. Cause that's, that's really harder, you know, said than done. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up that notion. And I, I was going to ask you more about toxic positivity, but now I, I get where you're coming from. And yeah, I mean, I failed the nursing boards the first time I took them back in 1996. And that was really hard. That was a really difficult passage. And talk about a mindset shift. I totally understand from experience the deflation that can happen from when in a high stakes situation when you don't have the outcome that you want. And you can go down all sorts of different rabbit holes of negativity. And I did, you know, I mean, it definitely threw me really big time. And I had to do a lot of kind of deep work on myself to prepare, not just studying. It had a lot more to do with how I approached the whole process rather than actually studying. It's not like I didn't know things. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it had to do with mindset. And you were talking about subtle shifts. Yeah. So what are some examples for you, either from your own personal experience or people you've worked with or just colleagues who you've known or friends? What are subtle shifts you've um, witnessed that can really have a profound effect, even though if they seem, you know, kind of small and incremental? Yeah, that would make a big difference. Um, just kind of going back to, you know, you you mentioned you failed the board exam for nursing. I failed mm-hmm. a, in my undergrad a med surge class. Um, and it wasn't like the didactic portion, you know, in clinicals or in undergrad, you have the clinicals and the coursework. Um, mm-hmm. And I failed the clinical portion. They were giving out, you know, they give out critical points, things that you do wrong within, you know, your practicum or your clinical portion. And if you get too many, you, you know, you get reevaluated or you get evaluated by the, um, by the nursing team and they say whether or not you can go on in in the program. And for me, you know, I, I passed the coursework, but you have to pass both. And for me, as somebody who never, you know, never got B's, never got C's like in high school. And then, you know, I'm a 20 something, you're very young, 20 something year old. And in college, it's, it's very hard to accept that you're, you, you failed something. Thankfully, you know, with the help of parents and 
um, you know, good support system with friends, but a, a lot of, a lot of it was my parents. They, you know, were like this, I think this is what you're meant to do. We can help you see mm -hmm. that. And I, you know, at that point I wanted to just quit nursing altogether and do something else. Actually, I wanted to be a hairdresser. Hmm. But, and that's, you know, I mean, hairstyling and is also an art just like nursing is, but I don't think I would have been successful as a, as a hairstylist. Um, hmm. But when you talk about the little subtle shifts that you take, um, I think a lot of it, or one thing that you can do is really change your self-talk, how you see yourself or what you tell yourself you become, you know? So if I say that I'm, if I told myself, yeah, I'm a failure, then I will think of myself as a failure. Mm -hmm. um, but even during that time, and even now, I always, you know, I just little by little telling myself like, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly developing. I'm constantly developing. Um, I may not be there yet, but I'm definitely going to get there. And I did, you know, that was 20 something years ago. And the, you know, there's a book, James Clear, Atomic Habits, the little, the little mm -hmm. changes that you make within your life and the habits that you practice will make a big difference over time. And I think as nurses, nurse practitioners, or just healthcare professionals in general, I think that really makes a big difference. Just that little 1%, 1% shift, 1% mindset shift makes a huge difference. And then also getting the support. Yeah. And support's really important. You had your parents, which is really lovely and your friends and colleagues. And, you know, it, I mean, nursing can feel like a very high pressure environment. School especially can be a real trial by fire. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel like you skipped the frying pan mm -hmm. completely, whether it's an ADN program or a BSN program or, you know, a nurse practitioner program or going beyond to a terminal degree. I have a colleague who finished a PhD in psychology. She's a nurse. She's been on the show several times. And, you know, the PhD process is very, very challenging and can really push a lot of buttons for people. Mm -hmm. And nurse practitioner programs are really, can be very intense. Mm -hmm. And I think this transition also from RN to NP can be hard. You know, you're going from being, I mean, you may supervise people, but when you go to NP from RN, you're moving into this place of great, much greater authority yes. and responsibility yeah. legally, morally, and all the other ways. So what's part of that mindset that you found where people do that leveling up from RN to NP? And what does it take to make that graceful transition when you're moving, you know, and really expanding your professional horizons in that particular way. Yeah. So really em embracing the role. It's not that you shed your RN coat and let it go completely, right? You take what you've learned as an RN, no matter how long you've been in that field, whether it's that year, you know, bridge um, into NP versus the years and years and the different types of roles that you've had um, within, you know, whether it's acute practice or um, acute inpatient or outpatient or, you know, different levels and different skills, you take all of that and the things that you've learned, and then you kind of develop that into your skills or into your role as a nurse practitioner mm -hmm. when you're 
really taking on all the all that's um, required in your NP role where you're diagnosing, you're evaluating, managing. You're also dealing with patients, not just patients, but their family members. You're also, you know, in the midst of a dynamic team where you're you have a different role versus you're a, you're a provider now versus a, a nurse carrying out the orders. You're the one writing and making those, you know, big healthcare decisions for the, for that um, patient team. So I think really embracing the role and mm-hmm. using the things that you have learned in your background um, makes a big difference in becoming the nurse practitioner. Yeah. And you earned your BSN in 2006. Yes. And you did a lot of time precepting nursing students and mentoring new hires. Yes. And then you became a nurse practitioner in 2018. So that was four years ago. And you noticed this disconnect between getting the advanced degree and embracing the role, which you were just mentioning, like that, you know, taking on that notion of, oh, I'm a provider now, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the one actually writing the orders. And so you've been through that process yourself. You've made that transition into nursing and then up-leveling to a master's and becoming an FNP. And, And I'm curious, you know, the preponderance of NP um, aspirants tend to look towards FNP. It seems like everybody's becoming an FNP right now. And I've talked about this on the show with some other nurse practitioners too. You know, family nurse practitioner is a really popular Mm -hmm. route. And we have adult Jerry, we have NICU, you know, we have pediatric uh, psychiatric mental health. We have all these other choices. Mm -hmm. And what I hear from a lot of people who go from nursing into the FNP role specifically, when they go into primary care, they feel that they've been, they're sort of like a square peg being pounded into a round hole because they're coming from this very integrative, more holistic way of looking at the patient as a nurse. And all of a sudden they want, they're, they're being pushed into this role of seeing patients in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. and they they're being treated like a mini doctor though they're like no i'm a nurse you know and i see this in a different way do you hear that from other people who go into primary care or even specialty practice and how do you how do (laughs) i don't even know how to ask this question what's the mindset that it takes to help oneself transition into that and is that even a is that something we can ask of NPs to see patients in 15 minutes? Right. Yeah, that is, that's, um, you know, that's very hard to kind of change someone's health in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, it's impossible. You, you really can't, you know, accomplish all these things in 15 minutes, you know, and as, as a provider in the healthcare business, it is a business. So the more patients you see, the more the hospital or organization makes but at the same time, we have to realize that just like with anything in business, it's really about the relationships you build with the patients. So if we can, if they can understand patients and family members that we can't, we can't fix, you know, your health in 15 minutes, but we can build relationships and we can help you build the accountability to come back so you can manage your health and we can be um, a, a great point within that 
you know, within your health healthcare regimen, just to kind of help fix the ongoing processes. But it, it is, it's very difficult when you come in from uh, being a registered nurse to being a provider to take on all that responsibility that you're going to fix every patient every time in 15 minutes. It's, it's, it's a tall order to handle. And honestly, I mean, it's near impossible, but we can take small steps to help patients live healthier lives, which is a lot of reason why, you know, a lot of nurses go into this nurse practitioner role is to help make a difference. Um, But those differences take, take time. They do. And I bet you any amount of money that the people or entities that came up with this whole concept of the 15 minute visit are not healthcare providers. <laughs> right. Oh, for sure. They're, they're business. And I know you were a CNO at, at one point in your career, right? So. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, those are the people who are looking at profit mm-hmm. most likely and productivity, of course. Right. And even nonprofit hospitals or, or, or um, practices need to make profit. You know, nonprofit doesn't mean they're not worried about money. Right. Um, it's a tax designation. <laughs> um, it sometimes affects sort of the philosophy and mission behind the practice, and sometimes not. You can have nonprofits that run like just like profit corporations. So we can't have the wool pulled over our eyes that, oh, if I get a job with a nonprofit health center, everything's going to be great. Right. So we have to really be, be, we have to have eyes wide open as we go into this. And one thing that I've seen and that I'd love to see more of is as nurse practitioners gain more full practice authority in more and more states around the country, that we're going to have more nurse practitioner run practices where it doesn't have to be 15 minutes, where it can be a more integrative approach. And NPs can be like, you know, well, yeah, I could make more money doing 15 minute visits, but I can make a decent living and I can provide really good care by doing 30 minute visits or 45 minute visits if I choose to. So do you have a vision around that and around this, the practice authority issue and how NPs can kind of take a little bit more control of the way in which they work? Yes. Uh, You know, um, I'm in Pennsylvania and we're not there um, quite yet, but that's something that, um, that's something that, has been on the table, full practice authority. And I, I really think that for the states that have that, they can, they can really play that to full advantage where they're able to take care of the patients, like you said, on more of a holistic level and not be so worried about the uh, profit margin, but they are still able to help the community, help patients and make a decent living where, you know, when you have your own business and have your own practice, you you do generate a lot more income um, than if you are working for somebody else for sure. Um, and that mm-hmm. takes time, you know, to build. But I think with nurse practitioners, and I know you've said this in uh, several podcasts before, but the um, career trajectory for nurse practitioners is much higher than it is for physicians and will be True. in upcoming years. So I think there's True. definitely um, something there. And something promising for nurse practitioners where they can practice in a variety of different scopes and then also have different levels. You mentioned, you know, the um, women's health, psychiatric mental health, family, adult GERO. So if we are able to open, you know, practices or different levels of just a variety of practices within, within healthcare, we would really be able to dominate the healthcare field, I think. 
It's true. Yeah, you mentioned what I've said on the show a number of times in recent months that the Bureau of Labor Statistics, for listeners who haven't heard this yet, the job growth for nurse practitioners is projected as 45% between 2020 and 2030. And we're only in 2022 right now. So that's a lot of job growth for the next eight years, at least. That's only till 2030. The job growth for nurses, registered nurses, is really only projected at about 9% right now, which makes absolutely no sense to me in my logical mind because of the shortages we're seeing. So I'm thinking like, why is the job growth projection so low? And then for physicians, the job growth's somewhere in the four to 5% mm-hmm. range. So that's, I mean, that's an enormous disparity between MDs, RNs, and NPs. So obviously NPs are on the ascendant and I think more and more consumers of healthcare are embracing the fact that NPs actually know what they're doing (laughs) and they can get really good care from NPs and many people are happy with the care that they receive. So we all have this notion, this vision of what NP practice can be and this whole practice authority issue is legislative Mm -hmm. and we can do all the advocating we want and we know it's a slow moving ship. Mm -hmm. So For someone who's in a state like Pennsylvania where full practice authority isn't there, but they want to be, they want to be happy. (laughs) They want to, they want to find a job that feels good and where they feel like they can practice the way they would like to. What are some of the um, more uh, down and dirty tools you think are really important for them to, to operationalize so that they can create the career they want, say, just getting out of NP school, what do you advise? Like, what are a couple, a couple good pieces that you feel like are really important to share? Yeah. When, you know, you're looking for a job, again, we kind of alluded to um, before, just making sure that you hone in your skills, that you take what you learned as a nurse um, and use it as a building block to get to where you want to be as a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. But really having a strong and solid resume to where you can show, you know, prospective employers that here, here's what I've done in the past. And it kind of gives you a kind of a short story and a summary of and highlights of your nursing career. And that's just one piece of the puzzle to, you know, getting, getting a good job, um, kind of getting your foot in the door. But when you have a one page or a one page summary or even two pages that gives you a a story of everything you've done that can help hiring managers or jobs say that, oh, you know, I, I want to bring you in for an interview. And the interview is the second piece. And I think it's the key piece to kind of shining and really speaking about your career because on paper, you know, you you're you're just as, you know, you can't really tell how good you are on paper. But when you come in for an interview or a virtual interview these days, um, that's where you can really shine um, and speak to your skills. And then that way they're able to kind of get to know you a little bit better. Um, But that is also a skill, just like, you know, resume writing is kind of both a skill and an art. Um, Interviewing is is that as well. Um, 
Mm-hmm. That's one piece. And mm-hmm. then when you get the job, you want to make sure that you have an agreement that is going to help you practice to your full potential and that doesn't limit your abilities or it doesn't keep you in your nursing role while you have a, a nurse practitioner um, title. So uh, that's another thing that, again, with healthcare as a business, they're trying to get the most bang for their buck and keep you as a nurse and nurse practitioner. But, you know, you have to be you have to be wise as well when you're looking at these contracts um, or agreements. Um, so mm-hmm. kind of all the pieces in a puzzle when you're um, looking for looking for a job or looking to be hired as a nurse practitioner. Right. And the clients you work with, you help them with those things like I do as well. Yes, you know, resume, them. cover letter, coaching around interviews and LinkedIn and mentoring and um networking, all those different pieces that are so important. So you have to present a really solid vision to a hiring manager of who you are. You have to show them, you have to demonstrate for them and speak their language, right? You have to meet them where they are and put yourself in their shoes. Like, what are they really looking for? What do they want in a nurse practitioner? What do do they want to hear? you know, not that you, I mean, of course you always have to do a little pandering when you're trying to get a job, but also being, being authentic at the same time and saying, look, this is the person I am. This is my approach. And this is, you know, how I envision what my practice is. And with, with the, before we take a break, I just want to ask you with the job market as it is and the job growth that we're seeing that seems to be so explosive, do you feel like NPs have their pick of the crop in terms of what job they want? Or is that geographically determined because certain markets are tighter than others? Yeah. Well, you know, there's that notion out there that, um, you know, the, the job market is oversaturated and you, you kind of have to just yes. get, you know, get your foot in the door, get any job, endure it, tough it out for a year. Um, but you'll see that when, that negative message that spread is what's the pro- what what is the problem? Because um, there there are plenty of nurse practitioners that have great jobs, um, and they have you know jobs where they're able to flourish. They they're able to practice at the peak of their um, scope, um, mm-hmm. and they they're they're using all the skill sets that they learned in school, and they're growing within you know within their role. Um, but I, I think the job market is competitive um, versus like oversaturated where, you know, I mean, we talked about nurse practitioners are going to be around for quite some time and not just around, they're going to be growing um, yeah. even more. So I, I don't think that the job market is so oversaturated that, that they don't, there's no need for nurse practitioners. I think, you know, again, you have to present yourself as the best candidate for whichever job it is you want. And I believe that nurse practitioners can get their ideal job or their dream job um, just Mm -hmm. as long as they present themselves. Yeah. And I think also as long as they are judicious in Mm -hmm. assessing their potential employer and researching them and maybe talking to people who work for or have worked for that employer and get the dirt, like get the dirt on that facility or that practice and find out. Yeah, do some research and don't just jump at something because it's the first offer you've mm-hmm. received because we don't have to feel desperate. And I think that 
is where an abundance mindset comes in rather than having a very limited mindset. And the way we come back from the break, I want to talk about your, your ideas about fixed versus abundance mindset and also imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and your whole notion of thriving in and out of practice, which I think is, seems to be core to your philosophy and your mission. Mm -hmm. So does that sound good for the second half? Yeah. Okay. So hang in there with us. We will be right back for the second half of episode 394. And we're with Josie Tate, family nurse practitioner and NP career mentor. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. We're here again on episode 394 with friend of the pod and my new friend, Josie Tate. And Josie, just prior to the break, we were talking about about mindset, you know, abundance versus a fixed mindset. So when we're looking at, let's say, the job market, what's available to us out there, what might be possible, what what's your take on on how to switch that mindset so that we feel like, yeah, I can have what I want. Yeah. So um, with the fixed mindset versus abundant, you know, with the fixed, you feel like things are limited. They don't change. You're either born with it or you're not. It's natural versus, you know, not. Um, With the abundant mindset, you're more of a, you um, accept that you're developing, you know, your skills, your abilities, your knowledge. You're always in the developing stage um, and that things can improve, that things, you know, we said kind of earlier that things happen for you, not to you. So just... Mm -hmm really um, having those subtle shifts. Um, you know, when we, when we said that jobs are, or the job market is um, oversaturated versus competitive, uh, that's a fixed versus an abundant mindset shift or mindset. Just because when you think that the job market is oversaturated and you'll never get a job, you become mm-hmm. desperate and you work yes. from a point of desperation as opposed to competition when you feel like you're competing, you know, and you have that Olympian mindset, you're, you're prepared, you've done the best that you can do. Um, you've practiced and you're ready. You're ready to perform, whether it's to interview, you know, to hand out your resume or submit you've practiced and you, you're going to give it all you have and you've done the best you're doing the best that you can versus just fix. You just kind of, kind of a laissez-faire, whatever. I'll, I'll just get what I, what I take and I'll, I'll mm-hmm. you know, it's, I think a fixed mindset within nurse practitioners really accelerates burnout early in your career. Yes. Um, and so I think having that abundant mindset will really create longevity in your nurse practitioner career or nursing career. Yeah. Well said. And when it comes to mindset, I know something really important to you is imposter syndrome and how to deal with it and how to heal it, especially coming from the RN world and stepping into that NP role. Right. So I know you have this, this concept of there's five types of imposterdom (laughs) or imposters. Um, Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so five different types. And I, I feel like I, at some point relate to one more than others, some, all of them, you know, at different points. Um, and I don't think imposter syndrome is one of those things that, you know, you kind of arrive once you're, once you've conquered imposter syndrome, it will never come back again. I feel like it's, it's kind of a cycle or will, 
you know, reintroduce itself um, within your career at some point. And I think uh, the majority of people um, have dealt with imposter syndrome. So kind of just to define what imposter syndrome is, it's more of a collection of, um, you know, beliefs, doubts, insecurities about your success and achievements um, as a nurse practitioner or a nurse. And the five types that uh, I want to describe, or I kind of titled, um, there's the perfectionist NP, the super NP or the superhero NP, the natural NP, mm-hmm. um, the solo NP, and then the expert NP. These are all different types or different levels of um, uh, that imposter syndrome that you may feel. And so that with that perfectionist NP, they set very high goals for themselves. They, they worry about measuring up and they're really more control obsessed. Um, this is your, your type A, which I, you know, I, I have said, um, you know, I'm, I'm like a recovering, I am a recovering perfectionist. So the, you know, the trouble with, with being a perfectionist is letting go and letting others just do and kind of mm-hmm. giving up that control. If you have a hard time delegating, um, cause you feel like I can do things and I can do things better or you do delegate, but when you get the results back or you, you finish with, you know, you, you um, delegate a task to uh, a colleague or somebody, somebody within the team, you're frustrated with the results and you feel like they're inadequate. Those, those are some marks of a, a perfectionist NP or, or you feel like, um, you know, you, you set these high and lofty goals and you, when you miss the mark, because you're, 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 these goals are so unattainable that you beat yourself up over it and you just replay the situation over and over in your head um, mm-hmm. as a perfectionist. That's no, that's yeah. no fun. No, yeah. That's no fun. Beating yourself yeah. up over something. Um, yeah. But to help with that, because we don't want to just acknowledge, you know, the, the syndrome or the qualities of a perfectionist MP, there's some things that you can do to kind of help with that. You, um, you want to celebrate your achievements. You know, one of the things that we said define that define imposter syndrome is that you have that insecurity about your success or achievement. And when you're a nurse or a nurse practitioner, um, you have this higher degree, right? You have a higher role or more important role. So celebrate those achievements. You've worked hard to get to where you are and really finding contentment, just being content with your place in your role, in your life, um, and then cultivating that self-confidence, which I mean, takes, takes time, but just acknowledging that you, you have to give yourself that time to, to um, develop the confidence Mm -hmm. with the superhero NP. We've convinced ourselves that we are totally fake. We're a fraud. We're phony. And we compare ourselves to our colleagues. We compare ourselves to our colleague who's been a nurse practitioner for 15 years. And here we are coming in 15 days within our, within our new role and we're not where we need to be. So we see, you know, we want to work harder and do everything that we can do, but we're really just covering up the insecurity that we have about ourselves. And really it's a, it's a danger and a harm, not just to us altogether, but to our mental health and to the relationships that we're trying to build and to create. Um, you mm-hmm. know, the superhero NP, you know, she's also working constantly and she's, you know, stressed when she's not working, when they're not working, they feel like they're, they're doing something wrong and you can't even enjoy the downtime because 
you feel that downtime is a waste of time. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that type of mentality, um, you know, you always have to feel like you have to prove your worth and you're kind of a workaholic, but you're, you, you only feel validated when you're, you feel validated with the idea of working, not with really the work that you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, something to help with that would be to just make sure that you're, um, have your validation come from internally versus externally mm-hmm. and kind of weaning yourself off of that external validation and finding things that, you know, are, are gratifying to yourself. Um, and again, with confidence, um, as your confidence grows, you'll do just a reasonable amount of work and not feel like you have to work after hours in between hours, you know, when you consider work as fun. Um, Mm -hmm. So those two so far, um, Mm -hmm. we can pause here. I can keep going with the other three. Tell me the third one. The third one is the natural NP where you feel like, you know, you're the natural born NP you come up, you know, they're similar to the perfectionists. They have the lofty goals but they also judge themselves because they want to do it with ease and speed. They want to come mm-hmm. out, come out of the gate, come in first day, do everything well, see the patient in 15 minutes, get their charting done and, you know, cure the patient all within f- 15 minutes. Did the, you know, awesome. management, eval, evaluation, billing and charting all within 15 minutes. So, you know, cause they're, they're naturally just a great NP from the beginning. You know, and that this person has a has a history of, you know, just excelling with little to no effort. They're um, they were the golden child, had a 4.0 plus uh, GPA undergrad and and grad school as well. Um, where they feel really shamed when they're set back, um, mm-hmm. and things aren't going according to their timeline, and they're the only ones on this timeline. And um, they, you know, maybe you feel uncomfortable with taking on a challenge um, or doing something new because it might rock the boat exactly exactly and to help with that they can you know kind of view their work as as progress um, and kind of make sure that the learning is more lifelong as opposed to just kind of a one and done and just really finding finding the productivity and building a specific skill versus like taking it, taking everything on at once. Mm -hmm. And what are their fourth and fifth types? Yeah. So the fourth one is, is the solo NP where you feel like you, you can't ask for any help. You have to do everything on your own. Oh, okay. You're, you know, if you, cause if you do, if you ask for help, you're, you show that you're a fake, like you, you can't handle it. You can't handle it on your own. You know, you're, especially if you're like an, uh, an independent provider, you know, you're, you want to be able to, um, do things on your own because if, um, your worth is tied to being able to be independent, you're a nurse practitioner now, so you should be able to do things on your own. But, you know, as part of that, um, as part of that imposter syndrome, when you're the solo NP, you feel like you don't need help. And then you, you have a hard time expressing that you need help. So instead you say, you know, you say that it's a requirement, whatever you need, something that's a must as opposed to, Hey, I need some help with this. You know, I'm not able to do X, Y, Z without your help, but instead you make it a requirement. Um, and really, you know, the, the help for that is just saying that there's no shame in asking. We're all human. We need the help. If we, you know, again, you're, you're part of a, a team within 
you know, the, the patient, the patient centered team, um, you want to make sure that you ask for help. So the patient gets, you know, best outcome and you can't do everything alone. So I think those Mm -hmm. are, those are some things that, you know, and if you can't figure something out, ask for help, ask for advice from a colleague, um, or seek out a coach or a mentor. Those are really things that, um, can help you overcome imposter syndrome. If you're a solo NP type or any of the, any of the types. Mm -hmm. What's the last one? And then the last one is the expert NP where they just kind of feel that their worth, value, competence as an NP is tied to how much they know. When you come out as an Mm -hmm. NP, do you know everything? Can you do everything? And, you know, again, we we talked about when uh, an employer is looking for a nurse practitioner, they want them to do, be able to do everything for everyone right then. Nobody wants to train a nurse practitioner, Mm -hmm. right? They, they want them to know everything. Nobody has time to orient or do any training. Um, So when you're that expert NP, you feel that you, you, you never know enough that you, you fear being exposed if you're incompetent or you're inexperienced. So, um, you know, the, the, the trouble that you see or the things that you see with that is you'll have a nurse practitioner have all these certifications just for the sake of having certifications mm-hmm. and trainings, mm-hmm. right? Um, because no one can take that away from you if you have all these mm-hmm. certifications and trainings, but are you going to use those trainings and certifications or are you just having them just as a buffer? Um, right. You know, and right. And then after you've been in a role for some time, you feel like, well, I, I can't, I still don't know enough. Like I, I'm still trying, you know, I'll still never know everything there is to know. Um, but you have so much knowledge already in that, you know, when somebody calls you the expert, you, you kind of shudder and like, no, that that's not me. You still feel inadequate. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, really the, the help for that is understanding that you, you know, healthcare is ever evolving. There's going to be lots of things that we have. will we'll continue to learn. Um, and really just learning the skill, like a timely skill. If your clinic or department is now offering a new service and you need, you know, you need to learn that skill, I think it's important to do that. Right. But having it just to have it and hope you need it in two to three years doesn't help you, um, doesn't really help you do anything. But another way that you can feel, or you can feel that you are an expert is to, um, be a mentor for your junior colleagues and share the information that you do know and don't have that kind of hoarding of information because it will also help your feelings of, you know, being fraudulent. And at the same time, you're distributing this information to so many people that will can benefit from it. So it's kind of a twofold, twofold help there. So yeah, those are the, Mm -hmm. those are the five types. Yeah. And and it seems like perfectionism is somewhat of a thread through all of them. Mm -hmm. Though there's some nuanced nuances between them all. And I know, you know, you identify imposter syndrome, you identify these areas where nurse practitioners can kind of fall short in terms of their own, where they are in their own mind and how they see themselves Mm -hmm. and their awareness of their own place and how amazing they actually are, if they can come to see it. Mm -hmm. And you have this, this, concept as well of thriving inside and outside of practice. And you have this acrostic for the word thrive. So each letter in the word thrive stands for something that you think is very central to nurse practitioner success. So tell us about that and how this notion of thriving is so important and key to your approach. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
I think in order to thrive, you know, outside of the workplace, you really have to instill those um, characteristics and practices, processes within the workplace to thrive. So, and a lot of these overlap, um, you know, or you may kind of hear them again, but um, with the T, you want to be able to, you know, trust your team. You want to focus on your zone of genius as a provider. But at the same time, if you're delegating a task or you have multiple, you know, it's a multidisciplinary team, you want to make sure that you trust your teammates to get their to get their job done or get their portion of the work done without trying to do everything yourself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, w- when you do that, the team is stronger when each um, person is focused on their zone of genius it's a much more uh, functional team and you're able to get things done uh, a lot more efficiently. Um, And again, have better outcomes both for the practice and for the patient. Mm -hmm. So trusting your team is is really special, is really important. Mm -hmm. And H in the word thrive is for hustling in a smart way. And what does that really mean? Yeah. So really just being efficient with what you're doing. You know, I feel like as nurses and nurse practitioners, you're hustling all the time, but are you doing the right thing at the right time? Um, so just working, working smarter instead of harder, but doing the right thing at the right time. So you can get, you know, you can get in, get in work and get out of work, but and not have to take your work home with you. Um, ideally, mm-hmm. you want to be able to, within the amount of time you're at work, do everything that you can do, but doing it at the right time. Okay. One of the books that I was reading recently, Procrastination on Purpose by uh, Rory Vaden is a great book that talks about, you know, really uh, funneling your task or your jobs um, and really doing what you, what only you can be doing. And as a nurse practitioner, I feel like you can do all the tasks, you can do everything, but for you, like, what you're doing, other people cannot do. So just make sure that you're really using your time wisely when you're hustling mm-hmm. smarter. Yeah. And then what's R in the word thrive? Yeah, that's for refresh often. So really, mm-hmm. you know, I know self-care is kind of a buzzword, but you really do want to take care of yourself, um, you know, doing something for yourself, but really finding the joy in everyday moments of life. It's so much easier. It's easier to focus on the negative than it is to find the positive. Um, but when you do find that joy, um, you know, within your nurse practitioner or nursing journey, it really, it really can make a difference in your day. Um, and then just like we said earlier, celebrating the small wins, celebrating any win um, and just giving, kind of giving yourself that credit. Good, yeah. good. And then I, you say, is about identifying opportunities and what does that mean to you? Is that like any opportunity or are you thinking of something specific when you say that? Yeah. So those opportunities, you know, when we talked about awareness and mindset is really becoming self-aware. So, you know, you always play to your strengths. You, you, you want to um, use your strengths, uh, optimize your strengths, uh, whatever those skills may be, you're using them to the best of your ability. But when we say identify opportunities, these are your opportunities for growth. Um, you know, anything that you see as a weakness um, that you can kind of turn over and improve. Those are the opportunities that you want to hone in on and kind of get better. And then V of the word thrive, what does that stand for? That's validating yourself, really just confirming hmm. your own worthiness. 
you belong within practice. Um, you're meant to be there. You worked hard, you know, and acknowledging your own internal experiences, whether, you know, whether it was failing something or having an obstacle or a setback, just validate that those feelings and your experiences are real. They're, they happen, you know, for you, not to you, and that you're, you're, you're where you're meant to be when I say, yeah, validate mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. So we have trust your team, hustle smart, refresh often, identify opportunities, validate yourself. And finally, E is what? Embrace change. Embrace change. Yeah. And, you know, it's 2022, okay. but if you look back two to three years ago, so huh. much change happening within the world. Yeah, totally. Nothing that you can control, right? Mm-mm. So with embracing change, that's really accepting what you can't control. You know, you you can't choose what happens, um, but you can choose your reply. You can you choose your response. You can choose your reaction. You can choose what happens or how you want to respond to any given situation. And that's, you know, really hard and it takes takes a deeper notion to get there. But again, if you're able to take these small and subtle shifts, you, you'll be able to embrace that change because it's going to happen and it's going to continue. Change is going to continue to happen. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. There's like the only constant in the universe. Exactly. Right? Um, so in, in order to help nurse practitioners, you founded CleanSeps, C-L-I-N, CleanSeps. Yes. And that's at cleanseps.com. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that's where nurse practitioners can go. And you, you are a mentoring and coaching resource for nurse practitioners to thrive in their practice, thrive in their careers. And actually, I mean, everything you've talked about, mindset, awareness, imposter syndrome, thriving, this all applies to, to any nurse at all and any healthcare professional or anyone outside of healthcare. And I know you have a, a gift, like a cheat sheet that you wanted to offer people to go online to find. And then you also have a course coming up. So could you explain both of those things? Yeah. So with the cheat sheet, you can go to thrive.clinceps.com. Um, and the name Clinceps kind of comes from, you know, it's a combo name, Clin for the, you know, the clinician and then precepts or seps for the preceptorship. So it's really you learning about things that you didn't learn in school. You know, you're, yeah. um, we're training or precepting clinicians outside of their traditional clinical role. So these are things that you didn't learn in school as far as finding a job or how to thrive or how to deal with imposter syndrome. Um, so if you go to thrive.clinceps.com, um, you can download your own Thrive cheat sheet. And then the course is coming out shortly. And that's a really a comprehensive course that gets you from starting your search to sealing the deal as far as acquiring your first or next MP job. Great. And to learn about you and so they can go to clinceps.com to find the clin- the cheat sheet. They can go to thrive.clinceps.com. Yes. And then you must be on social media. Yes. And those are probably linked on your website. They right? are. Yes. Yeah. So I'm um, most active on Instagram um, at mm-hmm. clinceps and then um, also on uh, Facebook as well. And they have a, a Facebook community group and a Facebook page um, that's clinceps as well. Okay. We'll have links to those in the show notes. So people can just click on those and travel over to see you and they can get in touch and tell you that they heard about you on the show. So before we close, I always ask 
four questions of all my guests. Are you up for a little lightning round? A little lightning round. Yes. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So the first question is, how do you define success personally and or professionally? So success, I would say success is current. Um, It's where I am now and where, how I find to be happy. So searching for happiness or really just being content in the happiness that I have um, in the present. I think success is present. Mm. That's nice. Okay. The second question is, could you name, or if you don't want to name them, just describe a person who's inspired you in the course of your life. And they can be famous. They could be someone just that you know that none of us would have heard of. They can be living or they could not be among the living anymore. Somebody who inspires um, me would be my dad. He's famous in my book. Um, he's a, he was a, um, still alive, thankfully, but he was in the military for, um, I mean, almost 30 years. Um, so he endured a lot of, you know, in the 80s, 90s kind of working as, and he was uh, a, a medic in the military in his younger years and then retired as a, as a chief master sergeant, but he was able to do a lot of, a lot of things um, just in his uh, military life, as well as his personal life. Um, and I think he has motivated me as well as my siblings to do the best that we can and achieve, you know, the best that we, the best that we can. So I'd say throughout, mm-hmm. throughout our lives, he's been very uh, inspirational. That's nice. You're the first person I think to bring up a dad. Many people have mentioned a mom or a grandmother. So it's nice to hear about a dad. That's, I like that. Now, the third question, penultimate question is, is there a book or a movie? It doesn't have to be an absolute favorite, just one that comes to mind that's had an impact on the way you think or the way you live your life. One particular book. I like Brene Brown as an author overall. Mm-hmm. Um, she, Me too. She has great books. I'm trying to think of like Gifts of Imperfection. I've read several times. Um, Daring Greatly. She just talks a lot about, so it's not really one book. It's more of an author. <laughs> that, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But her, yeah, her she, books and her message really talks about just embracing where you are. She talks real, a lot about like vulnerability and shame. She does. Yes. So I, I, I really like the message and those things that she's talked about in her books have really helped me grow as a person, both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's wonderful. And she, her message is very powerful. And mm-hmm. I think she's changed a lot of people's lives over the years. So that's a good one. So here's the last one. And you're a mother. So this would reflect on, on that to some extent, because you have, you have several children, right? Three, yes. Three kids. Three. So here's the question is, what's a piece of advice you would give 18 year old Josie right now, whether you think she would listen or not? And it might be a piece of advice you'd give your own kids, yeah. whether they would listen or not. <laughs> One of them is a teenager, so you know oh, okay. she'll, she'll do she do as she wishes. But I would tell, True. yeah, my eighteen-year-old self just to um, well, just to take a chance on yourself. Like Josie, mm-hmm. it's okay. Like take a chance on yourself early on at eighteen. Just um, bet on yourself and do it scared. Whatever it is you want to do, do do it scared. 
um, figure it out as you go. Oh, I like that. Bet on yourself and do it scared. That's yeah. good. I like that. I've never heard that said in a, quite that way before. I like that a lot. Yeah. That could be your next book. <laughs> My first book. Do it, your first book, Do It Scared. Yeah. yeah. Betting on Yourself by Josie Tate. I like that. So <laughs> feel free to use that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> One of my pastimes is like naming people's books or memoirs. <laughs> I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. Yeah, write it down. <laughs> All right. Well, I really appreciate you being here so much. You're really a wonderful resource out there for NPs. And we know that NPs more than ever need these sorts of resources and support and mentors like you. So thanks for being out there and doing this great work and supporting nurse practitioners. And thanks for taking the time to be on the show. It's really a privilege to have you here. Yeah, this is exciting. Thank you. I I appreciate the opportunity and I loved being on your show. Oh, thank you, Josie. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember to go to clincepts.com. You can also go to thrive.clincepts.com to download the free cheat sheet that Josie mentioned. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching, please feel free to head over to nursekeith.com and you get a 10% discount on your first coaching package if you mention the show. Or if you'd like to work with Josie Tate, go over to clinceps.com. No no problem there. If you want to work with Josie, go for it. She is amazing and I'm going to be sending some people her way as well. So please consider becoming a patron of the show over at patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith. We're a proud member of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. We're adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with one of my favorite quotes. This one is by the musician Robert Fripp. May my living honor my parents and may my living repay the debt of my existence. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And my new friend Josie Tate saying Arrivederci from the greater Philadelphia area. The greater Philadelphia area, my old hometown. Thank you so much, Josie. Thank you to everyone for listening, and we will catch you on the proverbial flip side. <laughs>